1: Well, this may seem like a deep subject for this hour of the morning, but we are going to tackle our existence, as in, why are we here? What is the point of existence? Now, philosophers and scientists have been debating and discussing this for centuries. I mean, even today, this continues. For instance, our next guest has written about it and is the author of Why, the Purpose of the Universe. It's Dr. Philip Goff, a professor of philosophy at Durham University. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Hi, Simi. Good to speak to you. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, okay. I'm going to start by asking why. What is the purpose of the universe? Where do you even start, Dr. Goff, with a title like that?
0: Yeah, it's a big question. Uh, so I find so many people feel they have to fit into the dichotomy of either, either you believe in the God of traditional Western religion, or you're a secular atheist. You know, It's like, whose side are you on? Richard Dawkins or the Pope? And, and I've just come to think through my philosophical and scientific work over a long period of time, that both of these views have problems and inadequacies. Both of them have things they can't explain about reality. And so that's why I ended up writing this book that tries to explore the much neglected middle ground between these two extremes of God and atheism.
1: Do you think that's where most people reside then in that middle ground?
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because I think a a huge proportion of the population does consider themselves, say, spiritual but not religious. But traditionally, academics, scientists and philosophers haven't really catered for these people. And so we get the idea it's sort of fluffy-minded, not really thought through. But I think that's just because people haven't worked on it. So what I'm trying to do in this book in an accessible way is draw on contemporary cosmology and cutting-edge research on consciousness to say, Look, actually, there's things both the traditional God hypothesis and Richard Dawkins style atheism can't explain about reality. So we can rigorously support these middle ground options that appeal to so many people.
1: Okay, because people, I think, do continually look for meaning, right? They look for answers. So then what are the problems then with the middle ground?
0: Yeah, so I think in in terms of the traditional atheist view of a meaningless, purposeless universe, this has come up to the difficulty of what's called the fine-tuning of physics, the surprising discovery of recent decades that certain numbers in physics turn out to be just right for life against incredible odds. One of the examples that's most baffled cosmologists revolves around dark energy. This is the force that powers the expansion of the universe. Now, once you do the calculations, it becomes clear that if that force had been just a little bit stronger, everything would have shot apart so quickly that no two particles would have ever met. We wouldn't have had stars, planets, any kind of structural complexity, and therefore no life. Whereas if that force had been a little bit weaker, it wouldn't have counteracted gravity and the entire universe would have collapsed back on itself a split second after the Big Bang. So for life to be possible, the strength of this thought force had to be like Goldilocks porridge, just right, not too strong, not too weak. And there are many, many numbers in physics like this. So I think either this is just an inc- absolutely unbelievable fluke, which to my mind is too improbable to take seriously, or there is some kind of goal-directedness towards life at the fundamental level of reality. It's what I call cosmic purpose, some kind of purpose or directionality in the universe. But But I think we can make sense of that in the absence of the traditional God.
1: Okay, this is fascinating to me because what you're saying is that, no, it couldn't have been just a fluke. It had to be more than that, which a lot of people believe because is it because we we don't want to think that everything we have and we've built in our existence could just be a cosmic fluke? So,
0: yeah, there is a question of, you know, is, is this something that we need to believe in or is good for us? But I actually think there's really powerful evidence. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when things are a little bit improbable, we're happy to think it's just a nice, funny coincidence. But when it gets unbelievably improbable, that doesn't that that is no longer a rational option. Take, for example, if bank robbers break into a bank and they, there's a 10-digit combination on the safe and they get it right first time, Now, nobody would say, oh, well, maybe they just fluked it, you know, because that's just too improbable. But the kind of probabilities we're dealing with here are more than astronomical, one in 10 to the 136. So I think it really is, at this stage of evidence, irrational not to believe in cosmic purpose. And I think as a society we're a bit in denial about it because it doesn't fit with the picture of science we've got used to. It's maybe a bit like in the 16th century when we first started getting evidence that we weren't in the center of the universe and people struggled to accept that because it didn't fit with the picture of the universe right. they've got used to. I but think ha- it's the same now with cosmic purpose. Okay. Well, how do you prove cosmic purpose though? Well, what I'm saying is that our best scientific theories point in that direction. Now, you know, the evidence might change tomorrow. Who knows? But all we can ever do is deal with the scientific evidence as we now have it. And as I discuss in the book, the scientific evidence, I I would say, either it's just an unbelievable fluke that the numbers are just right for life, or there is some kind of goal-directedness. I think the first option is too improbable to take seriously. So how lucky we are. Current science actually does support cosmic purpose, believe it or not.
1: Are you always also talking, though, about a type of middle ground here where science had some role in it, but with a few nudges?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, as I say, I don't go for the traditional God hypothesis either. Here we've got the familiar difficulties of reconciling a loving God With the terrible, gratuitous suffering we find in the world, particularly in the natural world, you know, why would a loving God create the North American long-tailed shrew that paralyzes its prey and then slowly eats them alive over several days before they die from their wounds? You know, that just makes no sense to me. Why would a (laughs) loving God do that? That's really quite amazing. So I think this. There's things God hypothesis can't explain. There's things atheism can't explain. What we need is a rigorous, scientifically and philosophically informed conception of cosmic goal-directedness that doesn't rely either on the traditional idea of God or just the now outdated idea of a meaningless, purposeless universe. And so, that's really what I'm trying to explore in the book.
1: Okay, so where do we start with something like that then?
0: Well, so I consider a range of hypotheses and... Um, I mean, it could be. Maybe there is some kind of design hypothesis. Maybe the, the traditional God won't do it, but maybe our universe was created by a bad, a bad designer, or an amoral designer, or a, or a designer of limited abilities that's just doing the best she can. Or maybe we can consider the simulation hypothesis associated with Nick Bostrom, May, the idea that maybe we're in a computer simulation created by some random software engineer in the next universe up, just testing out certain possibilities. I also explore in great detail the possibility that the universe itself is a conscious mind with its own goals, rather than a supernatural creator outside of our universe. Now, these sound very strange and, as I say, don't fit with how we've become used to thinking about science and reality. But there has actually, in recent academic philosophy, been a resurgence to interest in and taking these ideas seriously. And ultimately, I just think we need to follow the evidence where it seems to be leaving, leading, not not getting hung up with either our religious biases or our secular biases, just looking at the evidence and what, what hypotheses work to explain it.
1: So fascinating. Listen, thank you so much for the discussion <laughs> this morning.
0: No worries. Yeah. Thanks for having me
1: on. I love that. That's Dr. Philip Goff, professor of philosophy at Durham University, the author of Why? The Purpose of the Universe. So, you know, just a small question that he's trying to tackle in that book too, right? But such an important one that has been discussed, debated, tackled for hundreds of years.